gentlemen, welcome back to the Being Husband podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan West, bringing you guys another episode here. Uh, We're so pumped and we're excited that you guys are being a part of what we're doing here and trying to uh, revive and restore uh, biblical masculinity. When I say revive and restore, what I'm really trying to get at is that I'm trying to encourage each one of us to be what God has designed us to be. And that is to be providers, that is to be protectors, that is to be leaders, that is to be coverings for everyone that's in our circle of influence. And so I'm on this journey and I want you guys to join me in it. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. And so I want to always encourage you guys just to continue to Uh, engage with this content, uh, be involved with the conversation, send me an email at beinghusband at gmail.com. Also give us a DM at beinghusbandpod, a DM and a follow if you're interested, uh, at beinghusbandpod on Instagram. That's at beinghusbandpod on Instagram. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into the week in review. And again, no one has hit me up, which is why I was emphasizing the engagement piece. Uh, Guys, it's not just the Jonathan show. I don't ever want you guys to get that twisted. This is a show for us. This is a show that is going to help grow me towards being what God has designed me to be. And is going to, as I grow and learn and teach, help you grow and learn and teach. And so that's the reason that I've kind of set this up. That's why I'm trying to look for this dialogue and this back and forth so that we can get to the bottom of what God has actually called us to uh, based on his word. So anyway, it's it's all good. I'm not tripping that you guys didn't hit me up. It's all good, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump into the topic. And so I am deviating a little bit from our series right now. Our series right now is Becoming Husband. And to some extent, this is a deviation, but also in another way, it's relevant to what I was going to discuss, which was protection. We're going through Becoming Husband. The first episode that we did was Spiritual Provision. And the second one that we did was Financial Provision. And now we're moving to the second pillar of manhood, and that is protection, both physical and spiritual protection. However, I have to set that aside and actually deal with something that's very current today and it's very prevalent and it's very pressing in our society in terms of the conversations that we're having. And it's relevant to protection. So I hope that you guys find this information helpful. So this is the weekend review. okay? so I'm just going to be taking things that have gone on since we're since again, I don't have the engagement, but I'm taking what's going on in our culture And I'm going to kind of talk about what's happening. And so the topic of discussion in our culture and of this podcast is on this abortion issue. Now, I said that word and immediately I lost maybe 55 of listeners, 55 listeners. Okay, and that's fine. Uh, I'm. I'm to a place and I, I have to be prayerful about it, but I'm to a place right now where I don't care who listens and who doesn't. Uh, I don't care who is involved and who isn't. I am trying to focus my life on aligning myself with my design by my creator. And I'm calling other men to do the same. 
And if that doesn't entertain you, if that doesn't get you excited, if that doesn't encourage you and move you to listen, that's fine. I hope that you find what you're looking for elsewhere. But this is the commission that God has given me. And so I intend fully to engage in this. And so I want to talk about it. And I want to get into a little bit of what has gone on in the past that has brought us to this point now. So whether I don't know if you guys know it or not, but abortion has been a conversation that's gone on uh, for quite some time, as far as I know, since the late 60s, early 70s. OK, and in Jan- on January 22nd, 1973, there was a court case uh, in the Supreme Court called Roe versus Wade. Okay, and in Roe v. Wade, there was a seven and two decision. So seven and two is there were seven Supreme Court justices that um, were in favor of said case and two that were not in favor of said case in terms of the the verdict of that case. Okay, so in that on that date, January 22nd, 1973, the state or the Supreme Court ruled that a state law that banned abortions except to have or to sorry to save the life of the mother was unconstitutional this division or this decision divided the entire country so i want to say that one more time without stuttering over my words january 22nd 1973 the supreme court ruled that banned abortions in states. So if a state banned abortions except in the case to save the life of a mother, this is now deemed unconstitutional. And so on that date, the country has been forever divided on this issue and we've created two categories of thinking that are pro-life and pro-choice. Now, pro-life You can kind of just by the name of it, and I'm sure a lot of you guys understand this, but by the name of it, you know that these guys are anti-abortion. They do not believe that abortion is good, just, and true, and so therefore they are on that side of the uh, discussion. And then on the other side of the discussion, you have pro-choicers. Pro-choicers, a lot of people will say that they're pro-abortion and that's not totally fair to them because there are some of them that morally are against abortions, but they don't want the government involved in that decision process at all. So now, to be clear, there are some of them on the side of pro-choice that are adamant about abortions, that celebrate abortions, that think that abortions are uh, a mark of society moving forward and women's independence and women's rights and uh, there's a lot of feminist literature that's tied up into that that side of the side <laughs> of pro-choice, okay? So the country's forever been divided into those two camps. And it set that sets the tone for kind of where the conversation is in regards to today. So I'm sure that you guys have heard about Alabama and you've heard about Georgia but and I'm going to talk about those too but I first want to talk about uh what happened January 22nd of 2019 that's this year uh that is the beginning of this year uh and we had New York 
pass a bill that would allow, and I'm going to quote the bill, uh, it's, it's called the Reproductive Health Act, okay? And this bill would allow a healthcare practitioner, and so real quick, just a quick caveat, before later term abortions, so and, and later term means, you know, whether it's first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, first trimester early on would be considered early term, late term would be anything beyond the first trimester, okay? Anything be originally, anything beyond the first trimester had to be done by a medical doctor. Okay, this bill allows healthcare practitioners, meaning anybody else that is a healthcare provider. So, Planned Parenthood is one that can do it, and Planned Parenthood is an abortion clinic, and we'll talk more about that. They do other things. They say but their primary bread and butter quite frankly is is abortion so anyway long story short that that distinction was made this is what the bill says so it allows any healthcare practitioner to perform an abortion when according to the practitioner's reasonable and good faith professional judgment based on the facts of the patient's case the patient is within 24 weeks from the commencement of pregnancy or there is an absence of fetal viability or the abortion is necessary to protect the patient's life or health. Now, that's a lot of words. It's <laughs> a lot of jargon, a lot of judgy jargon. OK, so I'm going to try to break that down. OK, so the first part. Can perform an abortion when, according to the practitioner's reasonable and good faith professional judgment based on facts of the patient's case. So right there, reasonable and good faith professional judgment. That is basically saying if the practitioner thinks in their own mind that it's necessary to do it, then they can do it in these cases. And so these cases are going to be um, whether it's absence of fetal viability, meaning that the baby would likely not be able to live outside of the womb or the abortion is necessary to protect the patient's life or health. Um, and so life, we obviously know what that means. If, uh, if the woman is having the baby and it's going to kill her, uh, they can make the determination to end or to, to have the child aborted or in the case of health. And so health that's that's the hairiness of this bill. That's kind of the subjectivity of it, because health now doesn't just include whether or not this woman is going to live or die, raise her blood pressure or not. It includes mental health and mental health are things like anxiety, things like depression, uh, schizophrenia, on and on and on. So it's got a little bit of subjectiveness to it. And when I say subjective, I just mean that you can pick and choose pretty much. Uh, and when I say pick and choose specifically, I'm talking about the idea that, oh, like having this baby is going to put me in a bad headspace. Let's abort the baby. That's a case that you could that you could do under this ruling. Now, what made this so interesting was that it removed what used to be illegal 
So what used to be illegal is anything after 24 weeks. So a baby that was anything older than 24 weeks inside of mom's belly and you aborted that child, that was considered illegal. That was an illegal abortion that someone would partake in. What New York passed then was that you can do anything pretty much up to the child coming out of the mom's womb. So anything up to full-term pregnancy, you can have the child aborted with this new bill. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to back up and I'm going to talk about Alabama and Georgia's kind of response to that because there's a lot of politics with that. So here recently, after this, Alabama and Georgia have taken hard stances. So Alabama has made abortion illegal in cases of rape or incest, no matter what period in gestation the mother is in. So Alabama has outlawed abortion at in, indefinitely unless the woman's life is in danger. Okay. Indefinitely, whether it's rape or incest, whether it's consensual, it is illegal to have an abortion in Alabama. So again, illegal in cases of rape and incest to have an abortion, but you can still have an abortion if it's going to affect the mother's health, if the fetal, uh, if the baby is not going to be able to live outside of the womb, uh, if, if the baby's life is going to be in danger. So it's still got that clause of subjectivity with the health, right? Like, oh, this baby's going to put me in a bad headspace. It's still got that. You can still do it if it's going to affect your health in that way. Um, so anyone who goes through those abortions, will serve severe prison time for doing that in Alabama. Georgia similarly has passed what they call the heartbeat bill. And in the heartbeat bill, it says that, hang on a second, let me pull this up. Sorry, guys. It says no abortions unless mental and physical harm is going to be due to the, the woman. And it does make a clause for rape and incest there. Okay, so those are the facts there. That's pretty much everything that's happened with the abortion thing. In response to that, there has been a flood, a flood of social media engagement on this issue. Uh, there's been a ton of memes that I've seen. There's been a ton of conversation. Um, and the reason that this is going on is because when you've got stay so a quick Quick government lesson, quick U.S. government lesson. Whenever you've got states that are uh, passing state laws or bills that are uh, that are that are going against a Supreme Court ruling of the past, it's then brought back to the Supreme Court to discuss. Okay, how do we want to move forward? Okay, they base basically what it is is uh, you know mom and dad disagree on what they should do with the child, and so it's kicked back to um, have a civil discussion amongst mom and dad and child in order to find out what the best solution is for the situation, okay? So I'm saying a lot. I've gone over the facts, and we've talked about where we stand here. And so what I want to go back to is the New York thing, the New York bill. And when I first saw the footage of that, 
and I saw everyone standing up and clapping and just excited out of their minds about the fact that a woman can carry a baby to term where the baby where the 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 woman is dilated the baby is about to come you can terminate that baby's life at that point and i saw people standing and cheering in that courthouse there i couldn't believe what i was watching and i'll put that link in the show notes here but it was like watching a very a very weird weird dystopian novel type of movie and that's not really dramatic like we're standing up and clapping that a woman can have can almost have a baby and then decide to not and kill the baby now used to be in the past pro-choicers were all you know women need to have access in cases of rape or incest and and again this is going to be rare safe and and we need to make this legal that was the position before with pro-choicers and and people that uh, lean that way but now there's people in that camp that are excited about this milestone that a woman can carry a baby to full term and then make a last minute called that they don't want to have the child and the child can die and be killed so it it was just weird just watching it really happen it was just insane to see and I felt like I was watching some creepy dystopian movie because everyone was excited to kill a baby because another thing that a lot of people on the pro-choice side of things used to say is that, well, you know, it's not really a baby until it's at such and such stage in development. Well, where's that argument now? Where's that logic now? Because it's a baby by, by the pro-choice's standards prior to today that was a baby or that is a baby at, at, at the time of, of delivery. That's a baby at nine months, eight months based on those standards. But now the standards have changed on that side for some of the people. I'm not going to be unfair and say that everybody thinks like that, but for some of the people and, and a good majority of them enough for New York to pass a bill on it, um, that is the way that they think. And so I'm bringing you guys this information because it's relevant to the public conversation right now. And it's relevant for what we're called to as men. In Genesis chapter two and chapter three, we're given what's called the creation mandate. Okay. And there's two mandates that are in the Bible that are relevant to our faith. One of them being the creation mandate and the other one being called the Great Commission. A lot of people know about the Great Commission because it's go and make disciples of all the nations, every tongue, every tribe, so on and so forth. So go and make disciples. That is the Great Commission that's given to us in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there was called the creation mandate, and that was be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue, rule the earth and subdue it feel the earth so the whole the, the creation mandate basically says i've created male and female 
And I want you guys to multiply that image all throughout the earth. I want you guys to have children. That's the simple, that's the long and short of it. Have children, build homes, build gardens, cultivate society, cultivate this land that I've given you. It's expansive. Learn everything you can from it and, and, and make it work for you. Bring forth life. Let life bring forth more life. That was God's original commission to us in the Old Testament. That is the creation mandate. And our role as men, because we find in Genesis chapter two, whenever he's talking with Adam and he first creates him, he tells him, he said, hey, hey, listen, I created all of this just for you. All this. Got all the trees, got the animals, got the sun and the moon, water, everything you need to survive and thrive and grow. And I've even put this big old tree in the garden. It's the tree of life. You eat from it, you're going to be good. But there's another tree I've put here. I've put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from that tree, okay? Don't do it. Because in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Now, we don't know why God gave him that option. We don't know. We don't know why the tree was there in the first place. We're not 100% sure. But there was a clear and direct warning to Adam that he needed to protect himself and any other thing that came under his care. And, and again, that's, you know, a lot of people say, well, he doesn't actually say, you know, that to Adam. And da, da, da. Look, look, <laughs> he tells Adam not to eat of that tree. It's implied that when somebody gives you information to keep you safe, that you share that information with other people. Okay, so we can go ahead and go back and forth and debate on what God said and what he did it and what he left out and what he didn't. The fact is, when you know information and you withhold it, when you when when you know information about a danger and you withhold it. That's wrong. Adam's role. Was to protect was to protect himself, and once Eve came on the scene, to protect her. That was his role from the beginning, is to protect life, to protect specifically fellow image bearers, himself and his wife and those that came after him, okay? Those in his circle of influence. That is man's design. That is man's role. That is man's, uh, one of his commands, so the issue that we have here is that man's design is to protect and generate and cultivate and have more babies, more image bearers, you know, in, in as much as he can. Right. I mean, there's there are some situations where, you know, men are infertile. There are some situations where a man and a woman, you know, either can't conceive or don't want to conceive. And, and, not, and I'm not you know here to talk about that specifically. But what I'm here to talk about is that man's duty was not to murder. That's never been a command. That's never been a command that he can hang his life on. There are situations in the Old Testament, I'm not going to act like there aren't, wherever God is told to kill or, or, or wherever God has told man to uh, 
war with a group of people. And we can have conversations about that as well. But there are verses about that where God has told people, go and lay waste. Don't leave anybody alive. That's in the Bible. And so I'm not going to act like that's not in there. We can have a conversation about that. DM me if you guys are interested in having that conversation because it's really, it's not popular to talk about today um, that God would ask men to go to war. But he does. And he did. But in general, the command most often is be fruitful and multiply, protect, protect yourself and protect what's in your care. Don't go to that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't go to this thing that is forbidden. And we can talk about verses as well that get into if you shed the blood of another man, your blood will also be shed. That's something that God that's something that God permitted as well. So what am I saying? What I'm trying to get at is that a lot of what's going on today is hiding behind political opinions, hiding behind memes, hiding behind uh conversations you know uh, my body my choice or pro-lifers saying you know 60 million babies are aborted every single year and you guys are going to hell in a handbasket and look look in 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 respect to both sides i i understand to some extent where they're coming from when the on the pro-choice side my body my choice the government shouldn't have any intervention on my body okay great point pro-lifer side babies are aborted 60 million you're 100 that that's evil and atrocity we need to address that but i i want you and me to talk for a minute okay i want you and me to have a conversation and i want to put aside our political differences if we have any and I want us to sit down and I want us because the question is for them, should the government be involved in uh, the birthing process or not or, or the, the killing of a baby process? Should the government be involved? And that's a conversation that's worth having. But I want to have something a little different. I want to have a conversation away from the politics and into the moral and social implications of, of, of this and ask are we willing as a society to take the step of saying, if something inconveniences me, if something is a bother for me, if there's something in this world that I don't like, someone in this world that I don't like, do I have the right to destroy that thing? That's the question really that, that we really need to be asking because that question and the answer to it is going to inform the other one. Does the government have a right? Because if you answer that and you, whether you say yes or no, then you can say, okay, well, then does the government have a right to do that? Because the government's role historically and uh, what it should be, <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't do this anymore. But the government's job is not to create rights, but to protect them. I'm going to say that one more time. The government's role is not to create rights. The founding fathers wrote 
that men have certain inalienable rights rights to pursue life liberty and happiness rights to pursue religious freedom those are their rights and government is to protect those rights to all people that live okay so anyway that that i wanted to interject that because i think that's important to the conversation so the first point are we willing to eliminate what offends us and what we don't like and what gets in the way of what we want are we willing to eliminate that person or that thing once we answer yes or no then we can ask the question on does the government have a right to intervene in that decision but we need to answer that one first right because if we if we don't we'll get confused and we are confused, which is why we can hide behind memes that don't make any sense. My body, my choice. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the thing is, is that that doesn't get to the question. Are we willing to end the life of another human being if it inconveniences us? If the answer is yes. If the answer is yes then that's a terrifying reality. That's something that we all need to really sit down with God and with ourselves and with close friends and ask. I would argue that our world today, our society today, it's a, it's a yes. <laughs> it's a yes because so much of our lives is about us. The way that things are happening around our world today, everything's bending to our whim, right? We can watch church on demand when we want to. We can get groceries delivered on demand pretty much when we want to. We've got cable on demand when we want to. You know, we've got sex. Uh oh. Getting into some dangerous water. We've got sex on demand when we want to. Be it with porn, be it with hookup apps, whatever the case is. We can get pretty much whatever we want when we want it. I mean, look at the, the and I'm not, here's the thing. Here's what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that the technology that allows us to get on-demand grocery delivery is somehow bad. I use it. I use it all the time uh, to to do my grocery lists, and and I use on-demand TV all the time. You know, but the, the the fact is is that we don't. That's not reality. <laughs> it's science fiction. The world that we're living in right now is just shy of Star Trek, just a little different than Star Trek. We're basically living in a space age situation where we can just boop, boop, and then we've got all that we need. We don't have to leave the house for anything. So all that I'm saying is, is that the way that our culture is set up, our minds have a hard time not thinking that the world is about us. I, I, I think another thing that's gone on as well in the church is that there's a lot of churches that uh, are preaching a gospel that talks about self-love, that talks about the most important thing is you and that, uh, you know, that 
God is, is somehow here to serve you. And while he does serve us humbly, you know, that Jesus's death is, is service to us. You, we have to ask the question, is he just some guy that we can take for granted? Can we just do with him what we want? Because the thing is, is that so many people think that prayers are the same things as wishes. We think that somehow if we can uh, pray exactly what we want, that God's going to give it to us every time. Prayer is not a wish. Prayer is aligning yourself under the reality of God. That's what that is. And so he is not obligated to do what you want. You can't make God do what you want him to do. Prayer is humbly submitting yourself to what God is already doing. Because in Proverbs, we also read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's a, that's, that's a humble position. That's me standing under the reality of God and what he's doing and making myself okay. Well, not making myself okay with it, becoming okay with it. That's why Jesus says, pray like this. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So long story short, we've got our churches that are not all of them, but a lot of the mainstream churches that are telling us that that <laughs> that the 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 God that we serve only seek the God that we serve serves us more often. And that and then our reality, our technology and the way that we move, everything else serves us as well. So we leave feeling like. It's all about us. And so it, it makes sense that we would be able to draw the conclusion and say yes and stand up and clap whenever we can end a fellow image bearer and a child's life up until the point of conception. It makes sense that we're there. So look, I got a lot of stuff written down and a lot of it was written out in anger. I don't like to get into political conversations. I, I was a political bully for a large part of my time in high school and a large part of my time in uh, even in college some and, and in middle school as well. And uh, I did a lot of damage. I lost a lot of friends doing that because the my, my aim then was not us to, for me and you to come together and have a discussion and get to the truth of the matter. My, my mode then was just to make you look like an idiot. And that wasn't right. And that wasn't pure and that wasn't true. And so I stay away from these conversations generally because I, I, I don't want to be that anymore. But this conversation, as I've stated before, with, with us having to ask a deeper question, it transcends the political and it gets into the moral and the spiritual and the metaphysical question. Do we have a right to murder if it gets in the way of what we want? That's the question. And we have to 
as men, because it is our role and our design, rail against, rail against, and, and granted, rail against from an idea standpoint, right? I don't want anybody going out and, and punching a pro-choicer in the face. That's not, Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, evil forces, evil ideas, and we are to cast down those ideas with wisdom from God and logic. That is the way that we, that is the way that we, we win this. That is the way that we protect Eve. That is the way that we protect Eve. We don't stand there passively letting all sorts of serpents whisper a bunch of BS in her ear. Did God really say that it was a bad idea to do this? Or is he just trying to keep you from all the fun? We have to stand as men looking out for Eve, looking out for others that are in our care and say, God said this, that I am to protect the image of God all over. And that's what we're called to do, guys. <laughs> you know, I think that that's why God's made us kind of aggressive to some extent. He's made us competitive to some extent because he's, he's made us for battle, intellectual battle, and in some cases, physical battle. I'm not saying, again, <laughs> please do not go out and punch a pro-choicer in the phrase. <laughs> Jonathan did not say that. I, I I think that that is the wrong way to go about this. But what I am saying is that you need, we need to arm ourselves intellectually and spiritually and ask God for wisdom on how to engage in this conversation and fight this fight because it is, um, it, <laughs> and it's not just a fight that's, you know, uh, we're going to get people to think that, you know, pro-life is okay and, you know, all is going to be well. And da, da, da. No, you guys think this is kind of frou-frou and fluff. Let me give you this article really quick. It's really interesting. Um, it's from NBC News. It was written uh, January 10th, 2019. It's fascinating. Here's this. Americans are having fewer and fewer babies. A new government report finds, in fact, we now aren't making enough babies to replace ourselves. For the population to reproduce itself at current numbers, the total fertility rate needs to be 2,100 births per, per, sorry, per 1,000 women of childbearing age over, the lifetime, over their lifetime. Researchers for the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention said in their report released early that Thursday. But the latest data show a current rate of just 1765.5 per 1,000 women. That's 16% below the number needed, guys. The total fertility rate has been declining steadily for seven years. But the numbers for the 2017 represent the biggest drop in recent history. The rate for 2016 was 1820.5, for 2015, 1843.5, and for 2014, 1862.5.
The CDC has offered no explanation for why the American fertility rate is dropping so precipitously. Experts say the decline isn't due to a single cause, but rather a combination of several factors, including change in economics, delays in childbirth by women pursuing jobs and education, the greater availability of contraception, and decline in teen pregnancies. The trend seen in the United States is also seen in much of the developed world, including Western Europe, said John Rowe, a professor of Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. One important factor driving this is the changing roles of women in society, Rowe said. In general, women are getting married later in life, he explained. They are leaving the home and launching their families later. But there's no guarantee that things will work out as planned. So, and and I'm going to give you guys this link uh, because there's a lot more to this. But the basic gist of this is that while we are pushing this legislation and having this conversation, our population is is dwindling. And, and it's funny because you hear a lot of people that uh, not pro-choicers, but people that uh, exist politically on the left saying the earth is overpopulated and we need to find more sustainable ways to have kids and da 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 and, the, and according to the CDC that's not the case we're declining people are having less babies or no babies at all and the thing about it the crazy part about it is is that if you really just sit and think about it you know that to be true each one of us I mean my grandparents had th- four or five kids and then my parents had two and, you know, me and Leah actually want to have a few more, but um, but but you can see that so many of us know this to be true. Our grandparents had several kids and then our parents had a couple and, you know, then we have what we have. So what am I saying? All that I'm saying is that this conversation that we're having is not frou-frou of fluff. This has implications. New York signing this has tremendous implications on spiritual levels, on physical levels, on economic levels, on societal levels. It affects a lot, and especially if it becomes adopted and becomes mainstream and the norm. And so, men, I urge you, each one of you, to take this seriously, to take your role as a protector seriously and i'm not saying that you guys are are bad at this i'm sure you guys are great but here's what i'm saying understand and know know that this is what god has made you for made us for this is what we're designed to do when you have something that you need to say and you feel pressed to say it say it in the most respectful way possible Say it. Don't sit there with your hands in your pockets because you're worried about hurting people's feelings. Don't sit there and, and, and uh, not post anything or not say anything about this. We have to be vocal about this. We have to have this conversation in a respectful way, of course, but in a way that is assertive and straightforward. And not sugar-footed. <laughs> and what do I mean by sugar-footed? Uh, well, uh, you know, I can kind of see, you know, both sides. And you know, hey, this, look, look, 
I was being fair to the pro-choicers earlier in this conversation, and I still will to some degree because I know people that lean on that side of the equation, okay? But but I will in no way pull any punches in that in that argument face-to-face. I won't. I'm going to look that person dead in the eye and say, so you're okay with killing people that get in the way of what you want. That's what you're saying. And they might come back and say, no, I just don't think the government has any place. Okay, I agree with you that the government may not have a place. Maybe I agree with you that the government doesn't have a place. But let's answer that question first. And then they might say, of course not, of course not. And then, okay, then you have to make some decisions with where you're aligning yourself politically then. You do. You do. Because, again... The moral question is going to decide the political one. Always remember that. Let's always remember that. That these conversations, we can go back and forth all day about policies and whether rape or incest is okay and all, not necessarily okay, but whether cases of rape or incest are permitted. We can have that conversation all day long, all day, and him and haw and all that. We need to get to the bottom of this morally. So with that, guys, I encourage each one of you all to continue to engage in this conversation and more than engage in this conversation, engage with Genesis. (laughs) Guys, if you read Genesis two and three, you will see yourself so much, you know, (laughs) you'll see yourself so much in Adam, because here's the thing. And I'm going to tell you this story because it's funny. But it's not funny, and it's it's funny in a tragic sense, I guess. But when when you read Genesis and you hear that story of Adam and Eve, and Eve is getting tempted and she ends up eating of the fruit, the the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Adam was standing right there the entire time, because he because it says she gave him she gave her fruit or she gave fruit to Adam who was with her. And that word with her in the in the old uh, Koine, uh, not Koine Greek, I'm sorry, in the old Aramaic meant shoulder to shoulder or elbow to elbow. He was standing right there. He didn't say anything. Even though he was designed and called and commanded to protect himself and her from that tree. And I can just imagine, because I know how I act, if me and Leah get into a disagreement, this is how it goes. Uh, you know, we'll be in a disagreement and I'll, you know, well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I, <laughs> I don't want to miss out on any action I might be getting tonight or <laughs> I don't want to, you know, uh, get anybody, ruffle any feathers or anything like that. Look, look, this is what we were designed to do, guys. It's why our blood kind of gets boiling when when somebody says something stupid that we know that's just wrong. It's why our blood gets boiling when we when we are are playing sports and we really have a drive to to win. And 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 granted, you have to temper that. I'm not saying that you always need to be like that. You need to kind of rein that in and add some humility to it. But what I am saying is is that this is this is our makeup. It's our design. God-given design. Don't deny the design and bridle it with humility, gentleness, kindness, but truth. 
do never forsake never forsake being nice no i'm sorry never forsake the truth for being nice we should never do that and so i encourage each one of you guys to uh, enjoy the design participate in the design of being a protector and engage in this conversation i'll see you guys next week take care